Hello, and welcome back to the Meals by Madeline podcast. It is Tuesday, October 5th, when I'm recording this. I've had an absolutely lovely day, and I'm really excited for this episode. We're going to be talking about the migration theory and the Minnesota starvation experiment. I have known about these things for about a year and a half now, and it changed my whole life. So, We are going to go into my experience with this information, how I used it to help me, and I'm also going to explain a lot of the science and the reasoning behind these two topics to you. So it's going to be really cool, and without further ado, let's jump right in. So in my past attempts at recovery before 2020, because I've said on my TikTok before, I had an eating disorder for a really long time, at least seven years, definitely longer, but I did attempt to recover about three times in a period of about five years. So I was definitely searching for hope throughout my teen years, especially, But I always felt like in those attempts that I was kind of blindly grabbing at information, trying to help myself, but nothing really resonated or worked. Like, I always felt like there was something like I didn't know that was missing that would make my experience easier. And it was a struggle. But every time I tried to recover, my efforts completely failed. And that was because... I didn't understand what I needed to do to recover or what to expect because if you don't know what to expect like anything, you're going to be a little scared and I always felt like all I had heard of from recovery was from girls I'd met in treatment who had just been there and back a bunch of times and didn't really care. I never really had that inspiration. But thankfully in I think around like February of 2020, I stumbled across Tabitha Farrar on YouTube, who I talk about all the time on TikTok. It's where a lot of my research and information comes from. But after I found her, I watched literally every single one of her videos. I listened to all of the podcasts, and I read literally every single blog that she has posted on her website, even some from so long ago. But eventually, I ordered her book, which is called Rehabilitate, Rewire, and Recover, which I read this book cover to cover, literally every single word. And that was because I resonated so deeply with her story. It provided me a lot of comfort, but the science is what really convinced me to go all in when I really had an understanding of, okay, how does this work? Why do some of these things happen? Will they happen to me? Maybe they won't. I don't know. But it was really comforting for me to know that this process, this process of recovery was going to suck at first and feel so hard and complicated, but I knew deep down that it would bring me to a place of peace and joy. So I highly recommend that everybody read that book, but I thought I would 
pull some of the most helpful information for you guys and put it into one place. So if you ever kind of forget these things and you need a refresher, it's all in one place and you can just give it a listen. I also don't think this episode is going to be too long, so that should be kind of great. But today we are going to discuss migration theory and the Minnesota starvation study. Now, these topics solidified my belief that I had to eat to heal, which is really important. I don't, I also don't think they're discussed enough in the eating disorder space, in my opinion. They're often talked about in anti-diet spaces, which is amazing, and we need that for sure, but I also think this is especially useful for those with eating disorders, diagnosed eating disorders, undiagnosed eating disorders, but really, really intense struggles with food. So I hope that this gives you some perspective on the biology of eating disorders and helps you understand your own. So throughout this, you might be reflecting a lot on your own experience, and that's okay. I definitely will be too, probably adding in little things. Also, trigger warning, we are going to be talking about things like eating, starvation, eating disorders, weight, all that. So without further ado, let's hop into the first topic, the migration theory. Whenever people would tell me in the past, quote, just eat, I would get so freaking mad. And like, listen, it is truly not that simple. Like, there is so much work that goes into full recovery. But now I know that The science really explains a lot of what this means, what they mean, even if they don't know that they mean that. But nutritional rehabilitation, learning about the premise of this topic is what allowed me to fully recover and heal my brain. It was a really, really important thing, and it really changed the game. So the migration theory is kind of what got me thinking about eating and just freaking eating. And it explains that when we restrict, our drive to eat goes up, obviously. In a, quote, normal person or somebody who is not predisposed to eating disorders, they'll just hear that, hear that hunger cue and then go and eat and move on. But when starved individuals with a genetic tendency towards eating disorders or anorexia feel starved, they feel full of energy and kind of unfazed so they can kind of push on genetically it's kind of in their in their dna so in other words some scientists theorize that restriction itself can trigger an eating disorder in those who are predisposed because that nutritional debt kind of triggers something to go off in your brain that leads to developing an eating disorder i personally definitely resonate this when I think back to the beginning of my eating disorder. So I don't know if I've talked about this on TikTok. I probably have, but when I first started kind of developing like body image issues and was feeling really socially weird and, you know, middle school, all that jazz, I got mono and getting mono literally triggered me to have chronic anorexia for almost a decade from one sickness. And I went from being forced to restrict from being sick to a full-blown eating disorder and my life revolving around food and weight in a matter of like six months. So I basically completely changed from 
happy Maddie to just completely in an eating disorder Maddie within a matter of six months. And obviously there are so many other factors that played into my eating disorders development, like bullying, stress, being a dancer, um, even like genetics, whatever. But I really do believe that the initial restriction put me into a long-term deficit that kept me in the cycle. So learning about migration theory in the beginning of recovery, it was really interesting and it answered a lot of my questions, but I still had so many questions in the beginning of my of recovery about like what I was going through that a therapist couldn't really answer. For example, why am I so much more hungry than I was, than I remember I was pre-eating disorder? Why am I preoccupied with food? And why is this process so dang hard? So while migration theory kind of introduced me to another reason why an eating disorder can begin through nutritional debt and then can be healed a lot through nutritional rehabilitation, I still had a lot of these questions that were a little more that had to do more with like my body and what was going to happen. So, well, thankfully, as I got farther into the book, I learned about the Minnesota starvation study. Yes, an absolutely amazing and super interesting study. But this clarified so much for me about the biology of an eating disorder and recovery. So now we're going to learn about the experiment, discuss the findings, and I hope that this will be pivotal information in your recovery. Now we're going to look at the Minnesota starvation experiment. So I am going to basically explain the whole thing to you, lay out the tea, what happened, what happened after, and list some findings that I can truly clearly see from it, but I'm sure that you will also come up with some on your own. So the Minnesota starvation experiment was led by physiologist Ansel Keys and psychologist Joseph Brozek in 1944. So they recruited 36 young, healthy men to partake in an experiment that was meant to study the effects of starvation on those involved in World War II and learn how to rehabilitate them. Because a lot of people in World War II, unfortunately, did experience starvation. So the criteria for these men was good mental and physical health. So no prior struggles with food or weight, getting along with other people well. They looked for extroverted men and interested in the rehabilitation process and all that that entails. So the experiment itself contained three stages. The first stage was a 12-week control period where men consumed a normal amount, which is around 3,500 calories. And yes, that is a normal amount, contrary to what society tells us, but yes. Then the second stage involved a 24-week semi-starvation state where caloric intake was cut in half. So about like 15 to 1,600, which is kind of crazy because like that's what we hear is, quote, the normal amount. This experiment is using them as a starvation amount, but okay. 
So then the last two stages had to do with rehabilitation. So there was a 12-week controlled rehabilitation stage and an eight-week unrestricted rehabilitation stage for some of the subjects. I think there was about 12 that took part in that. During this eight-week period, each participant was allowed to choose their own meals, and they saw that the men were eating between 7,000 and 10,000 calories a day. Sound familiar? I know. Throughout the years, though, some men were interviewed and still examined, and it was a really cool experiment. But basically, they found that it was very noticeable that not only had the subjects changed physically, their psychological well-being was significantly, significantly impacted in a negative way, like in a very negative way. So we're going to go through all the changes, major trigger warning. A lot of these are like literally go hand in hand with an eating disorder. So just a warning for that. But first, we're going to start with the cognitive changes. So the men were seen to be more preoccupied with food. Food and eating became the focal points in their conversations, the books they read, their dreams and daydreams. Concentration also became a huge issue due to their preoccupation with food. And interest in food expanded into new habits that the men really hadn't been interested in before, such as cookbooks and collecting recipes. Some of the participants even changed their whole occupation after they ended the experiment and went on to become like chefs or agricultural people. Next, we have the eating changes. So, whoa, sorry, I just bumped my phone if you heard that. Participants were recorded to become possessive over their food during mealtimes. So they were really worried that others would try to eat their meals and they would kind of defensively guard their food with their elbows. And at mealtime, participants were also recorded eating all the food on their plates to the last crumb and like licking their plates. And some participants would even put water in their food to make like a soup so that it would last longer, like anything which is so, sounds so gross, but like, I mean, you got to do what you got to do, I guess, if you're in this situation. But lastly for that, um, gum chewing became a health concern too, because participants were rapidly chewing like two to three sticks of gum in their mouths until they became sore or like developed sores in their mouth. And some others developed tobacco smoking habits because it did provide some relief from the hunger they were experiencing. So yeah, they were basically starting to do um, eating disorder behaviors. Interesting. Next, we have the rehabilitation changes. So this is after they started rehabilitating. It was seen that men started eating, quote, several meals in one sitting and developed gastro upset and headaches as a result. So they were binging. They had a really hard time reading their hunger cues And some even described feeling hungrier and using binge eating and purging behaviors during the refeed period. So even after about five months, they really continued to have struggles with their behaviors and developed body image issues. Um, This was seen like even years after a lot of the men were just changed forever. Next, we have behavioral changes. So Many men were observed collecting food-themed items or even rummaging through the garbage to find food. Yep. The participants developed an extreme distaste for wasting food. 
They used methods to create the illusion that they had more food on their plates than in reality. There was a huge increase in the use of spice and salt to add flavor to meals. And a lot of those who were extroverted in their social life became really isolated and even described themselves as feeling socially inadequate. So it affected their self-esteem greatly. Now, lastly, we have the emotional changes. These were a lot more like mental health issues that happened due to the experiment after the experiment. Those include hysteria, depression, anxiety, eating disorders, body dysmorphia, and just like overall dissatisfaction with life. So yeah, wow. I know it's a lot. It's a lot of information and a lot of it's sad to hear, but take a moment to kind of reflect on your own illness. Like I know from my experience that these are all symptoms I went, a lot of them are symptoms I went through. So it's, it shows us so much about recovery. It shows how the body needs so much food to heal. Like, for example, those men were eating seven to 10,000 calories a day in the unrestricted phase. Like that is a lot of times expected and all in recovery. So I like to think of prolonged restriction as a bank. Over time, you restrict and restrict and it builds up. And when you begin recovery, you have a lot of catching up to do. So this all makes sense why you need a ton of extra food. And we can't predict how that hunger is going to come, if it's going to come all at once or if it's going to come over a long period of time. It also shows how we need fuel to think and heal our bodies. So much of the work was done for me in recovery when I started eating according to my mental, physical, and even emotional hunger. I also think that it supports the notion that even restriction on people who have never experienced an eating disorder but may be predisposed makes them develop it. And it also shows how everybody's recovery is different. Some of the men, they went through the first rehabilitation stage and were fine. Some of the men were never okay after the experiment. So it really depends on everyone's body and everyone's genetics. But yeah, that's kind of everything on the Minnesota starvation study. I hope that it helped you have a good understanding of it. I hope I didn't talk too fast, but make sure that you really sit on this, maybe listen to it a couple times and allow it to show you some truths, allow it to help you with permission and everything that has to do with understanding these issues so that we can move forward and so we can learn how to overcome them. With that being said, I hope that you guys have an amazing week, an amazing weekend. I have fall break, so I'm so excited to go home. And I also hope that, again, that this helped you. I love you guys. I'll see you on TikTok. I'll see you on Instagram. My handle for social media is at Meals by Madeline, M-A, no, stop. I did not just say that wrong. M-E-A-L-S-B-Y-M-A-D-E-L-E-I-N-E. I'll see you next time. Bye.